And you may want to pull it out so you can follow along what I'm saying. But you may also, and this is why we really put it together, was you may want to look at it during the course of the week after you get home because you may want to refresh your mind in some of the things we've said this morning. Maybe you've discovered, if you're a regular attender of our church, that we put an emphasis on the Word of God and teaching the Word of God. And we really work at teaching and, and sharing the Word of God with you in a very practical way as we worship together from Sunday to Sunday. But we also, as you probably have picked up, encourage you to study the Word of God on your own, and we give you a lot of helps along the way so that you might get into the Word, you might get to know it, you might get to understand it, and it might be beneficial to your life. But thirdly, we don't only want you to get to know it, because many people down through the years have actually memorized portions of the Scripture, and they know those portions of Scripture, but they haven't obeyed them, or they don't follow them, or they don't use them when they need them the most. So we want to encourage you also to obey and follow the Word of God in your daily lives. That is one of the core values of our church. It's to make sure that we are emphasizing the importance of God's word in our lives day by day. Now, to get us started this morning, I want you to see a, a passage of scripture that really is pretty dynamic if you think about it, because this is the kind of passage when I read it here once, you'll pick up a little bit about what it's saying, but if you go home and read it twice or three times or four times, you'll find out that you and I have a desperate need for knowing and understanding God's word, that it's going to open up a whole new world to us. It's going to open up a whole new life way for us as we begin to get into it more and more and more, rather than depending upon the resources all around us that are not nearly as dependable as this word. So listen as I share from Proverbs chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Here's what it says. My son, if you accept my words, and if you store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out to God for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright, and he is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless, and he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of the faithful." Now, that passage is just loaded, and if you get back in there, you've got one promise after another from God as to how he wants to work in your life and how he wants to make his word understandable to you and, and very helpful to you as you go day by day. My son, I've got a son who's a pharmacist, and um, he's a pharmacist in kind of a unique way. He doesn't work in a drugstore or a pharmacy. He, um, he travels quite a bit because... He works with several health organizations and a variety of people who are in the health field, and he's lecturing a good period of time, and he's out in one city after another. Oftentimes when we're with him, we say, where are you going this week? Because that's what he does. And he was in a 
motel one time and doing his personal study before he started his day. And he read this passage because he was doing a study in the book of Proverbs. And he got to that verse 4, and it says, you should search for the scriptures and the truth and for understanding and consider it as if it was a hidden treasure. That got him thinking. Now, he, he does travel a lot, and often to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he can be on the road, and so he doesn't make it home at night. But Thursdays and Fridays and the weekend, he concentrates on his family because it's very important to him. And on Friday nights, they often have a family thing that is entertaining or is just plain fun or is uh, a learning experience of some kind, whatever. But the kids all look forward to Friday night because that's the night they have a great time with mom and dad. And when he read this passage, he, he got an idea that he should share this with his kids in, in, in a very unique way. So he, he told the kids on Wednesday night when he got home, we're going to have a treasure hunt this Friday for our family night. Well, the kids got excited. They, they were ready to go. And um, he's got three kids and a, one wife. And um, he, uh, he, he shared with his wife what he was doing and told her she had to get prepared for Friday night because she had to share a little bit too. And they, they got this whole thing worked out. And they, when the kids came home from school, they couldn't wait to get into this treasure hunt after dinner. And they got into it, and as they were going out, they had a lot of detours, they had a lot of this and a lot of that and so forth, and they couldn't find those treasures. But finally, three boxes showed up. And they, they got to that point, and they opened them up, and you'll never guess what was in them. They would never have guessed what was in them. You might say, your son did this? He had their three Bibles in those boxes. They looked at that for a while. They tried to put that together. They tried to understand why that was a treasure, and they couldn't quite figure that out. But he said after they found them and after they found the boxes that let's go make some ice cream. So they went and made some ice cream, and they make, they make wild Sundays. And they pile up all this stuff on their sun, Sundays, and they were eating that and laughing and having a great time. And while they were doing that, he shared with them why the word of God was a treasure. And he shared with them how important it was as he goes in his travels and talks to people here and there. And as he deals with issues in his life and in his work and how he keeps going back to the word of God for answers and for direction and for correction or whatever he needs. And he just shared what a treasure this was in his life. And then his wife took over, and she shared it in a variety of ways. And she shared with the kids how many times she was using it with women during the course of the week. And, and the kids were catching on. In fact, they really caught what a wonderful book they had in their hands and probably never realized it. And now when we go to church with them sometimes, and we're walking to church and they're carrying their Bibles, it is amazing what a respect they have for their Bibles, and it's amazing how they look at those Bibles because they really see them as a treasure in their life. Interesting. Why is the Bible so important? Well, it's important because, first of all, it's the truth. 
If you want to know what the truth is, you start with the word of God. If you want to know what the truth is, you start with the words of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what the truth is, that's where you find the truth. There are all kinds of sources out there now telling you that truth is everywhere else, but the truth basically is in the word of God. And we've got to understand that, and we've got to realize that. And when we do, it is amazing what you can learn as you get into this word. But the second reason it's important is because it tells us everything we need to know about God. Everything we need. I'm going to share seven things that I think are important, very basic. Seven things that I think are important that you need to know about God this morning. But that's just a starter. That's just to get you going. That's just to kind of move you along and get you on the road. And, and when we want to know about God, we've got to start in his word. That's where it all comes from. But the third reason we want to know the word of God is because it tells us everything we need to know about living. It's our blueprint for life. If you want to know how to have a meaningful life, if you want to know how to have a directed life, if you want to know how to understand what's going on in your life, if you want to have help sometimes when there's temptation, if you want to have help sometimes when you feel weak, if you want to get your life together and put it together, that comes from the blueprint called the Word of God. So that's why it's so important. Now, let's take some time and jump into seven thoughts I want you to get into your head so that that's a basis for how important the Word of God is and it's the things you need to know. First of all, everything begins with God. That's the first thing you need to understand. When you open your Bibles, you start out just with that thought. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God. Everything begins with God. And I could read verse after verse after verse, and I don't have time to do that this morning and take you through all kinds of Old Testament passages, all kinds of Psalms that tell us that very thing. But I want to jump into the New Testament and go over to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. And there we read, For by him, by God, all things were created, all the things in heaven and all the things on earth, the visible things, the invisible things, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all these things are made by him and for him. Now, when you get into thrones and powers and rulers and authorities and all that kind of thing, sometimes you've got to get a little bit of help. So I sometimes go to other translations so I can make it clear for you. And I like one translation that puts it this way. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, and by the way, that includes you, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in God. So the first thing you, you got to know, the first thing you got to understand is everything begins with God. Job chapter 12 verse 10 says, It is God who directs our lives, the lives of his creatures, and every one of us, everyone's life is in his power. Or another translation puts it this way, In his hands is the very life and breath of all mankind. You know what this means? It means that everything started with God. It also means that everything is under his control. And you may not have thought of this before, but that includes you. You see, you were born by his purposes. And you were born for his purposes. Now this this means something very very important. 
And maybe you never thought about it before. That means that you exist to let God use you for his own purposes. Whether you realize it or not, it doesn't mean you exist to use God for your purposes. Let me say that again. This means that you exist to let God use you. And boy, does life get smooth when you understand this. It means you exist to let God use you for his own purpose. You don't exist to use God for your own purpose. But then there's a second thought. There's something else that's very, very important. And the second thought is you are made in God's image. After you drop down from Genesis 1 and the first part of the creation story and so on, you get to verse 26, and it's God saying, and we realize now that it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that are doing the creating together. And it says, let us, the three of them, make man in our image, in our likeness. Knowing you are made in God's image means you have many of his characteristics. And this is what's interesting. That provides all that you need, all that you need for a solid basis when it comes to self-worth. God says, your possessions aren't that important. Your achievements don't give you worth. You may be very attractive physically, but that is not what gives you worth. You may have public acclaim, you may have success, you may have any number of things. That is not what gives you a worthwhile place in this life. Instead, it is based on the fact that you were made in God's image. And when you and I have a self-worth because we understand we were made in God's image and we don't have to get into all that other stuff of life, then it means that you and I can always be positive about who we are. If it depends on being made in the image of God, then you and I don't have to worry about all these other things that everybody else is worried about in order to determine a good self-image. But who are you? Then you get to the third point, and the third point is really good. Who are you finally? Who are you really? You, number three, are a person of worth in God's eyes. I want to take you over to John 15, verse 16. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I no longer am going to call you servants now. <clears throat> He's talking to the people around him. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I am now calling you my friends. Because for everything I learned from the Father... I have now made known to you. By the way, that's, they're all in the Bible. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You see, knowing you are a person of worth to Almighty God helps you to love God, helps you to find out everything you possibly can about him, helps you to have a desire to want to understand him. 
It gives you a desire to want to know him personally. And that's what Paul in the New Testament was saying all the time. I want to get to know God. I want to get to know God. I want to know everything I can about God. Because the more I know about God, the more I know about myself. It makes you, by the way, and this is very interesting, the more you know about God and the more you're following God and the more you're, you're into tune with God and the more that you know God's on your side, that makes you a very valuable person, especially to the people around you, because your life's going to be far different than it may be right now. <laughs> Knowing you are a person of worth in God's eyes doesn't means you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Just walk with him. Number four. In other words, this means you're not an accident. You really matter to God. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 2, it says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. You are a person of worth in God's eyes. That's important to me, has been all of my life, because when I was in my college years and I was kind of scrambling for self-worth and scrambling for a lot of things, I, I got into Isaiah 44 too, and it says, I am your creator, and you were in my care even before you were born. And that explained a lot of things to me. You see, many of you know that one hour after I was born, my mother died. She was an 18-year-old mother, and she was looking forward to me, and she was excited about my coming and all of that, and she never made it out of the hospital room. I was in the hands of a 19-year-old kid for a father who had no idea where to begin, who had no idea what to do, who had no idea how he was going to handle a baby on his hands. So for one thing, he left me in the hospital for about a dozen days till he could start getting figuring, figuring things out and wondering what was going on. And, and believe it or not, I found a bill not too long ago going through his stuff. And, and um, I was in the hospital for 12 days. Mother gave birth and so forth and so on. You know what it cost? $78. <laughs> 78 bucks. I come cheap. <laughs> so... It, it's just amazing when you get into that. But there I was. And in God's plan, though, he had it all worked out. There was a grandma that was going to help. There was an aunt that was going to help. There were people here that were going to help. There were church people that were going to help. And they all got into the act to help my life get off the ground. God says, even before you were born, I was caring for you and I knew you. And then in Psalm 138, verse 8, it says, The Lord is going to fulfill his purpose for me. And you get over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verse, and you get into about verse 29. Jesus is talking to his disciples because he's going to send them out now, and he's going to ask them to begin to spread the message that the Messiah has come. And when they are going out, he, he's talking to them and sharing with them, and, and he's helping them understand that they're very important to him and they're very important to the cares, to God and, and that they're there for a reason and, and they're going to be used in a mighty way by him eventually. But he starts talking about sparrows and he says, you know, God even cares for the sparrows. God knows how many sparrows there are. God knows where those sparrows are. When a sparrow, like they did in, in our home in Ohio when we lived there, when a sparrow would once in a while run right into a window, because we had a lot of windows in the back of our house, 
and, and fall dead on the, on the ground. God knows that. God knows that that happened to that sparrow. That's what Jesus is saying. So he's telling the men, you are so much more worth uh, in, in your presence, so much more than thousands of sparrows that God's got his hands on. You are so worthy, God even knows the very number of hairs that are on your head right now. It's amazing. That's how much God is involved in your life. You see, God made you for a reason. And your life has profound meaning. And you will discover that meaning and discover that purpose only when you make God the reference point of your life. Romans 12.3 says, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us. Maybe you have it in your scriptures like this. It says, for by the grace that's given to you and me, I want to say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgments in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Let's break that down so you can understand it. What it really means is the only accurate way you and I are going to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does. Our relationship with God is all important. Well, we're important to God, but let's face facts. We live in an imperfect world. And as we talk about some of these things, then the first thought that comes out is that we've got, we've got to challenge the world we live in all the time. We've got to challenge conventional wisdom. As we walk in this world, it's far from perfect, and we've got to be dealing with that all the time. And we've got to follow the direction, and we've got to follow the guidance of God's word, or we're going to be lost. We've got to get back into our treasure. We've got to get back to the blueprint. We've got to constantly be going back to, to, to get our word from the word of God so that we're not going to conform to this world. That's what Romans 12, 2 tells us. It says, do not conform yourselves to the standards of the world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God for you. When you begin to follow God, when you begin to follow his ways, when you begin to say, I'm, I'm getting a handle on this, I'm getting to understand this, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Then you're going to find out, as I have found out over and over and over again, life is often tested. Major changes are coming all the time in our lives in this day in which we live. There are people who promise us things, and those, delay, those promises are delayed over and over again. And we think only when we get that, our hands on that, or only when we get their help, or only when we get this, or only get that, we're going to have it all right, we're going to make it okay. But no, those promises are delayed. Sometimes the, the problems seem just impossible. Sometimes our character is tested over and over again. Sometimes, you know, God's not on our timing, and he doesn't always answer prayer, you know, the next hour or the next day. He, he waits for the time he knows is exactly right. And sometimes delayed answers to prayer kind of get us. And then we have to put up with undeserved criticism at times and cranky people at times, cultural trends at times that sometimes almost seem senseless to us. And then, and then we face tragedies. 
when you understand that, yeah, that's all part of life, and life is a test, then you realize that nothing is insignificant in your life. That's when it's great to get back to the blueprint. Because the blueprint says, God understands all that. God knows what you're going through. And the good news is, God wants you to pass the test. You see, when you choose God, when you go his way, when you decide to depend on him instead of all the advice that's out there and around you, that is when you experience his peace, that's when you get freedom. And that's when you get power. And that's when you get wisdom. And that's when you get direction for your life. And you know what? I have found out nothing else works. Nothing else works because it all begins with God. And it only works when I realize I'm in his hands. And it only realizes, realize, uh, it only works when I realize I got to give him every day and say, God, I don't know what you want for me always, but I'm yours. And when you do that, the great part is he not only directs you, but you get his amazing love because he treasures having you in relationship with him and helping you take care of those tests of life as they come. Well, the sixth thing I want you to know is that God deserves your best. But just about the time you say God deserves your best and someone brings up the point, but sometimes I'm tempted. And sometimes I slip. And sometimes I, I just don't give him my best. What then? Um, God understands that we've got an enemy. And God understands that that enemy, Satan, is going to create some wrong desires in us. He's going to try to make you doubt. He's going to try to be deceptive in any number of ways. So God warns us, but he does more than warn us. He lets us know there's help. The warning comes from James chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. God very openly, very honestly says, we're tempted when we're drawn away and when we're trapped by our own evil desires. Then our evil desires conceive and they give birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. So do not be deceived, my dear friends. Whoa, temptation's serious. Sounds like it's tough. It sounds like I could easily be drawn away. And I gotta keep digging, keep digging. I gotta dig it out of the blueprint. And I finally get to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, in one way or another. Maybe a friend tells me I, look, I should look at this. Maybe someone else put, just gives me this verse as a verse of hope sometime, whatever it is. But I get into 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it says, No temptation has ever seized you or will seize you in the days ahead except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. How does he do that? 
Well, the Bible is filled with all kinds of help. You can go to 2 Corinthians, for instance, chapter 1, and, and 2 Corinthians is, is told, uh, 2 Peter, I mean, chapter 1, and in verses 3 and 4, it tells you that God wants to work in your life in a variety of ways. God will work even when the temptation comes. God's going to help you through the times because he makes promises in that chapter so that you have, it says, everything you need to get through life. So you begin to dig into that chapter and you find out, oh, there's some promises that'll help me at a time of temptation. And if I get those, those promises in my head, if I get them in my heart, if I think about them for some time, God can, God can get me through that temptation. Temptation I have is other people have. And he's gonna provide a way out. So I begin to say, God, I, I need the way out. I need the help. I need your direction. And I begin to put myself in his hands, and he works. When you are in trouble, you give yourself to the Lord, who watches over his people who do get into trouble. But what if you just blow it? Even though you love him, even though you care, what if you just miss it? Sometimes maybe not by much, but you miss it. What do you do then? Will you give your life over again, not becoming saved again, but you give your life over again to Jesus Christ and you ask him for your forgive, his forgiveness? You know, you got started through John 3.16 where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You could put your own name in there. God loved John, God loved Jill, God loved Ben. God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you take that step of becoming God's child, when you ask him for forgiveness, when you and he enter into a relationship, he's never going to give up on you. And you can jump down to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, where we read this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. God knows we're going to miss it at times. And if we claim that we'd never miss it, the truth is not in us, that verse says. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and he'll forgive us our sins and he'll purify us, he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's our God. Don't forget that message. Don't forget that love. It's found in his treasure. God's word. Now, I want to close with a verse that's not on your green sheets, but it'll be on the screen. 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I don't know a whole lot about construction, but I do know this. I do know that construction projects get very complicated at times. I've been through many of them. Some on additions in my homes and, and some big projects in churches that have involved some pretty extensive work in sanctuaries. And I've discovered that whenever there's an uncertainty, whenever there's a perplexity, whenever there's something that just doesn't look right, the builders are very quick to roll out the blueprints. 
Because you don't build anything right without the blueprint. Now that, I found out, is not only true in the construction field, it also works in life. So the Lord knew that, and he gave us the blueprints. However, it, for me, it's kind of interesting. It, it'll be for you, too, because wherever you go, wherever you work, whatever school you go to, whatever, you can see people all around you every day who are going through life, and it's miserable, and it's tough, and it's this, and it's that, and they never look at the blueprint. They, they just try to get some materials here and some materials there in life. They try to get some stuff here and some stuff there, go on this kind of a trip, go on that kind of a trip, do this, do that, just to get some joy out of life. And they're putting it all together. And what they're doing, it's not taking them anywhere good because nothing is good without the blueprint. And that's true of life, especially. I find that's also true, which surprises me sometimes, of Christians. Even though we have the blueprint, we hardly use it. We seldom read it. God wrote the blueprint for human happiness. And when the pieces of life are not fitting together, when the structure is, not, is looking a bit crooked, I want to encourage you, get back to God's word, the blueprint. It will tell you sometimes that you've got to make some changes. There's things you've got to correct. It'll tell you some things, there's some things in your life that just have to be demolished. You've got to do away with them. It'll tell you how to, after a failure, sometimes how to rebuild and get started again. That's what that verse was saying. It'll tell you how to construct the next phase of your life. And you know, I found that those things don't happen overnight. It takes time to build a strong foundation, so be patient with yourself. And it takes time to build a building on the foundation. But God's life blueprint is what we need. And it can help you build something that's great for him. And it can help you build the life you've always wanted. Stick with the blueprint. God wrote it for you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we thank you for all that we have in this word. Uh, we thank you for how you speak to us in this word. I thank you for how you challenge us in this word. I thank you for how you lay out the life that you and I, that, that we need as we go through life. God, help us to pick up this word more, challenge us through friends, through needs in our life, through tests. Help us to get back to this word so that we find the answers we need, beginning with God and beginning with how God works in our lives through Jesus Christ and then beginning, too, to see how he helps us live out our life daily for him. Oh, God, work in Jesus' name. Amen.